We don't need a name. We're a team. Your, your name is Team. You're on a tight leash too, bro. Wayne Haskins. Mr. Glass, Carson Wentz, and his offense. Prime time. Damn. Yeah, I love your optimism. I had to get a tall boy for the event. The New York football giants. Deep sleep. Deep, bro. Al Michaels is showing up to work. Nate Solder, get your ass in the building. <laughs> Dude, you should see B. Wills' face right now. He's so giddy. Appreciate being a part of this show, guys. Yes, sir. That was as great as I thought it could be. <laughs> You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to week nine of the NFC East, where we talk about the NFC Beasts. Guys, before we start breaking down these games, I want to go over just the impressive stats that have come out this week on what might just be the best division in football in the past 30 years. Right now, our division, the NFC East, has a 23-8 combined record. The win percentage for our division is 742. The highest combined win percentage for a division through eight weeks of the season since the merger in 1970. Okay? But wait, there's more. The 23 wins by the NFC East so far this season are the most combined in a single division through week eight since the NFL realigned in 2002. So just two years ago, we were the laughing stock of the league. Now you've never seen a division as good as the NFC East. What is up, George Van Riper? Welcome back. Oh, so good to see you guys, man. I've been out these last couple of weeks, and it's been a pleasure to watch the NFC East. They're looking good. Uh, my team's back to 400. You know, happy about that. Maybe I owe a small apology to Jack Del Rio. I don't really know. Let's just get William Jackson the third out of there. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you what do you think about it? The the NFC East. This you know this coming into week eight or week nine. Are we in? We're, we're about to enter week nine. Week nine. What do you think, John? Oh man, it's freaking awesome. The NFL is the best drama that's you know on TV. You can't. I mean, you can't script better stuff than this. So, like you said, be, to be freaking the laughing stock of the league and now to flip it in two years and be one of the most competitive divisions of all time, it's freaking awesome. Why? Wow. Well, let's talk about um, what the wins this past week that got our division up to that upper echelon. I want to start with my Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we had a very impressive victory over the Chicago Bears. Don't want to pound my chest too hard. It's just the Bears. Um, but we put up some points. The score here was 49 to 29. This is the most combined points by any game in the NFL this year. Points are down this year because defenses are, are playing better. And shout out to the Cowboys for finally looking like somewhat of a juggernaut on offense. It was good to see Dak Prescott get into a rhythm. But my NFC East hero of the week, it's got to be playmaker Tony Pollard. Number 20 gets the start. Ezekiel Elliott sat out with a knee injury, and boy, did Tony not disappoint. 17 carries for over 130 yards, and not one, not two, but three touchdowns. Tony Pollard gets the hat trick. And, of course, the talk around not just Dallas this week, but the entire NFL was Tony Pollard's got to be RB1. If the Cowboys want a shot at, you know, like making a playoff run, Tony Pollard's got to get those touches. 
And I agree with that. But something I want everyone to look at is not the yardage Tony Pollard got. It's the touches. He still only had 17 touches. So Tony Pollard's not the guy that we want to carry the ball 25 to 28 times. I think that number, 17 to 18, is perfect. But I want to make sure that that number stays that way. And maybe when Zeke comes back, although he certainly has a role in this team because he's a willing blocker and he's a tough goal line uh, football player, maybe Zeke gets 10 to 12 carries. Tony gets 17 to 18. And we're still running the ball 25 to 30 times. But yeah, maybe Tony Pollard proved to Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, and the rest of America that he's the real deal and he could be a starting running back. But all in all, um, Dak Prescott played well in this game, uh, very efficient with the football, 93 QBR, 114 quarterback rating. Those are the numbers I like to see out of Dak. And this game as a whole, when I look at the strong running game, I look at the defense scoring touchdowns. Congratulations to Micah Parsons, again, his first career touchdown. Although it was a complete bonehead play by Justin Fields to not just put a, a hand or a foot on him as he recovered the fumble. Um, but this is a game where when we're running the ball and playing defense like that, Dak Prescott doesn't have to try to do too much, which is when he usually has his lapses. So Dak just had to be smart with the football. He did throw one turnover. But all in all, this is the kind of game that makes me believe maybe the Dallas Cowboys can make an appearance in their first NFC championship since 1996. So so I don't know, John, are, are you as impressed with the boys as I am? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think you have to be. I think, uh, you know, with all of the hype around Cooper Rush while Dak was out, it kind of makes you nervous to see, like, what kind of team are we going to be? And I mm-hmm. think that you got to be confident, obviously, in your defense. That's just been incredibly impactful, although kind of surprising that they let up the most amount of points this year to a Chicago Bears offense. Maybe yeah. some of that's junk. Good call. It's junk time a little bit. I mean, if you watch the game, the Cowboys handled this game like they should have. And uh, yeah, you got to have confidence because Dak comes back. Um, this is his second week back and he's looking good, man. Didn't he, he ran in a touchdown. He did. Slinging the ball around. He's getting everybody involved. I mean, that's what you want to see. The Cowboys look good. Thank you. I, How about I, you I'd, have, I'd have to disagree a little bit with John because this game was 23 to 28 late in the third quarter. It was. I mean, this was a game. The Bears put up over 250 yards of rushing offense. Like, that's a problem. It is. You can control the clock against these Dallas Cowboys in championship, bro. Fix that freaking defensive line. Put more in the box, something. You can't survive off turnovers. Yes, you scored at will. You could tell every single possession the Cowboys had the ball. They could easily score. They looked great in the first half, but... Man, the Bears ran that ball that game. And, uh, yeah, it's something to look at. I know that you think you, you made some moves in the, in the trade deadline, picking up some D linemen. Um, but that's the Achilles heel of this team, and it, it's got to get resolved. Thank you very much for calling that out, George. I was not going to let that slip. I was, I'm not just going to go um, whole hog homer here. The Dallas Cowboys have a weakness, and it is the running game. Um, as you said, they traded for Jonathan Hankins. Who he? I think he had three solo tackles in this game. Only played like seventeen snaps or so. So I'm sure he Huge as he gets more, up, bro. Huge. <laughs> I know that was sarcasm, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Hankins is a journeyman. He's not going to change our fortunes um, by anyhow. We released Tristan Hill today for what it's worth. So you know we're trying to reassemble the middle of that defensive line. Uh, but but some of this is just good bears. I don't know if you guys watched the previous week. 
The Bears ran the ball for over 200 yards on Monday Night Football against Bill yeah. Belichick's New England Patriots defense. But That's what I was going to ask. Justin Fields throws the ball for 150 yards a game, okay? So you're yes. going to run the ball a little bit as well. Of course. Um, Hankins, also, honestly, Hankins reminds me of Stephen Bowen. I don't know if you oh. remember when we picked oh, him yes, up. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> I remember when we picked him up, John. But it just yeah. Me up. No, I was going to ask that same thing. I'm happy you mentioned that, B, because um, – you know, have the Cowboys been gashed in the run game? I mean, if it's a weakness on a strong defense, that's all the Bears do is yes. run the football. I mean, Justin Fields has wheels. Khalil Herbert actually looks like the better I of the like two that. backs. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, kind of rhymed, right? <laughs> um, and then and then uh, David Montgomery, who has always been kind of at least a consistent back. Um, yeah, they that's what they do is they run the football. So, I mean, yeah, I get I didn't I, I did not remember that it was that close in the fourth quarter. They all say that. It was it was third quarter, um, but I will say, I mean, they, they run upfield. Those D linemen want sacks, man. They want yes. those those big time plays, and uh, you know, Justin Fields was able to break contain a little bit and, and stuff up in the pocket. Um, they got, as you know, D lines got to work as a unit. You know, where one yes. guy's go, the other guy's got to cover it. So it's it's tough to play uh, the, the the style of defense that they do with a high turnover style. That you know, high high sack ratio style of defense to also control the run game. Um, yeah. It's, it's got to pick your poison at that point. Yeah, for sure. And, and the bears, I mean, it's, it's no secret. Like we said, they like to run the football kudos to Ryan Poles, their general manager for pulling off a nice trade at the deadline, getting chase Claypool from the Steelers. That's going to help chase, um, excuse me, Justin Fields develop his downfield passing game. But for now, anyone who faced the monsters in the midway, get ready for a heavy dose of the run game. Um, but Dallas Cowboys, sure up that run defense, or else you're not going to be making a run late into the NFC championship game, as I as I do hope so. Let's go to the second game of the NFC East slate, and that was the undefeated Eagles continuing an excellent season in the Battle of Pennsylvania. They faced off against their in-state rival Steelers, and they just manhandled them pretty much. In the first half, this was A.J. Brown versus the world. And A.J. Brown Oof. dropped the world right on its head. This guy is is an absolute animal. This is why Howie Roseman pulled off that trade um, on, on draft night. A.J. Brown goes for three touchdowns. I believe he was the NFC uh, Offensive Player of the Week. Um, Well-deserved. Jalen Hurts, efficient again in this game. Didn't set the world on fire, but he just puts up the kind of numbers that you want to see. He was, let me see here. 19 for 28, 285, four touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over. They ran the ball somewhat efficiently um, with uh, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders. They ran for over 100 yards, not as dominant as they normally are. But the Eagles defense. Yeah, they didn't have to be. No. Eagles defense played great in this game. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson got his fourth interception in only three games in an Eagles uniform. And, of course, this is the Steelers. Much like it's not just the Cowboys' run defense doing bad, it's the Bears doing good. It's not just the Cowboy, the Eagles' defense playing well. It's the struggling Pittsburgh Steelers' offense. Kenny Pickett cannot Atrocious. find a rhythm. They can't run the football. They have no offensive line. This was a mismatch from the beginning, and this is just a. I think a game for Philadelphia to just gain more momentum. And we'll talk about how easy their Week Nine opponent is. It's only going to get better. But, but again, Philadelphia to me. Best team in the NFC, hands down. How about you, George? Yeah, man. Uh, you said NFL? NFC. 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 Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd uh, I'd have to disagree with the NFL comment. I mean, I, I the Eagles are good, dude. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, I will say this. You know, we thought the strength of schedule was 
was pretty poor uh, across the NFC East, and, and it's even gotten worse, dude. You think about the teams that we thought would be okay, like the Arizona Cardinals, uh, like the Steelers. Um, some of these teams are one and five, two and six. The Lions one and one and five. Like, they're, they're, no one's really played um, other than each other, other than the Eagles yeah. playing the Cowboys, you know, yeah. other than the Eagles even playing the Commanders. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, then play a team, and I've said that this the past probably five or six weeks now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it. How about you, John? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the Eagles are good. What else can you say? Um, <laughs> yep. AJ Brown just stud. What do they call him? The jacked Batman, swole Batman, a, the swole Batman. Oh, he's he does surprise me. He, it's he dang man. He's an absolute. I was stud. surprised. Yeah, I was, but like you like you say, I mean, what else can you say? There's they're 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 kicking it on every level. Yeah. It's that that coaching staff ha- has them playing well, and it's 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 crazy. Like they they don't play down to their competition. That's one thing I will say about Nick Nick Sirianni. Yeah. Like he gets he gets those guys fired up, and they're going to be fired up again for Thursday night football. Um, now I want to go to uh, Indianapolis, which saw the Washington Commanders get their third consecutive victory to bring their record to four and four. Folks, if the Washington Commanders played in the NFC South, they'd be in first place. Spoiler alert, I think John and George aren't going to be as high on them as I am. But I'm pumped up for my boy Heineken throwing throwing up a prayer in the fourth quarter to uh, Terry McLaurin to get them to the one-yard line. Of course, Taylor Heineke punches it in from the goal line to give them the win in the last minute. Uh, But I love what Taylor Heineke has done to reemerge Scary Terry. Seems like Terry was kind of lost in the mix with Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown. A lot of different guys were getting peppered targets. These past two weeks with Terry McLaurin, now that he has uh, Taylor Heineke under center, he's emerged as a a true number one wide receiver. All my fantasy guys out there, if you're like me and you had Terry on your bench, I'm going to reinsert him into my lineup because I think that he, again, is a true number one wide receiver. And uh, something I've I've noticed that since Brian Robinson has taken over uh, as the starting uh, running back, there's been better play from... Antonio Gibson almost has a change of pace back. Um, in this game, he had seven catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. He's returning kicks. He's taken that with a smile on his face. He's a very good kick returner. He was excellent um, as a college returner at Memphis. And the defense, although it's just Sam Ellinger as in one of, you know in his first start of the season for the Colts, you guys hold him under 20 points. Jerron Payne and John Allen are getting pressure as always. I don't know if you guys are going to all of a sudden make a playoff run and be in the same conversation as the rest of the division. But I don't think the Washington Commanders are trash. I think this is the kind of football team that they are, winning tight, ugly games and playing 500 football. John's already shaking his head. He doesn't like it as much as I do. Yeah, I don't love it at all. Um, I had a buddy text me during the game. He's texting me like during that last drive, essentially. And he's just super pumped, super excited. This is a non-Washington fan. But he's okay. a really good friend of mine. Yeah, I could tell. And I'm like, I yeah, know. I guess it's like nice to <laughs> see them fight and he's like his response to me was bro take a win and celebrate it's entertainment your guys gritted it out that says a lot about them but dude that's been that's been the story of the washington franchise ever since i've liked them ever since i cared enough about football it's just yeah here take your medicine we're mediocre (laughs) we're the bottom third of the league just take your medicine look we gritted one out you can't get excited about this, guys. This was the Indianapolis Colts. We were supposed to beat this team. True. Good. I mean, you, you did what you were supposed you to. Neutralized you neutralized Jonathan three, Taylor, one of the best running backs in the league. You played impressive. Three on, who's been injured 
obviously yeah, right. injured. He still averaged 4.8 <laughs> yards a carry, too. Yeah. And so my point being is, like like I said, this is a game we were supposed to win. It's the Colts. We played three and a half quarters of not inspiring football. Taylor Heineke pulls out a little bit of magic and has a freaking Terry McLaurin literally save the day. Yeah. On an underthrown, but like, okay, great. Happy we got a W next. George, yeah. are you any more yeah. optimistic? Um, I don't know if I'm more optimistic, man, or I'm just, I, you know, I get to look into the next week when 500, right? Um, yeah. It's kind of like tarpon football, dude. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, you win some, you lose some, you got a couple good athletes, you cheer for them, and then you go to the next week, you know, and <laughs> it, 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 it feels good to get the W. I'm not going to deny that. Um, I, I think Sam Ellinger, I mean, he, you know, didn't do horrible either. You know, no. he was 17 for 21. Efficient. Uh, efficient, efficient. I, I, I like, I've always liked Heineke, bro. I've wanted him to be the second string quarterback for the rest of his career. Yeah. I really, I really like Heineke. I love his camaraderie with Terry. He always gets him going. I'm just very surprised on why no one else can get Terry going. It's very odd yeah. to me, but so um, it, it's, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the defense. I really am. I, I think Jack Del Rio has at least got them motivated to do more. Um, I think they understand what they have to do uh, to win ball games now. And I think that that you Agreed. Know, it's 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 got to be motivating for them going four and four, uh, you know, in, into week nine, like we were talking about. And uh, I am not excited, but I'm more interested. OK, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's let's wrap up our week eight recap. George, you were mentioning earlier about how there's a lot of teams in the NFL that uh, aren't playing as well as we'd hope, but there's also teams that are playing a lot more above their heads than we realized they had that much talent. One of them is certainly the Seattle Seahawks, who um, ended the win streak of the New York Giants. The Giants went up to Seattle. You guys know they call it the 12th man. That's a tough place to play. Giants did not look good here. They laid an egg. Daniel Jones was the Daniel Jones that we all remember he could be. Uh, 17 for 31, 176 yards. No turnovers, but they had no downfield threat. The Giants desperately needed to trade for a receiver at the deadline. They did not. So, And Saquon was neutralized in this game. Only 53 yards rushing. He did get in the end zone. But um, the Seahawks took him out of the ball game, and that essentially took the Giants out of any chance of winning. But I want to um, give kudos to Geno Smith. I think if the NFL season ended right now, Geno Smith has to be the comeback player of the year. I mean, on, when they traded away Russell Wilson to um, the Broncos and got Drew Locke back in exchange, I think we all just assumed Drew Locke was going to be their starting quarterback. But Geno took that job by the reins. He found uh, their two um, stud wide receivers for touchdowns in this game, both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf caught in the end zone. Uh, Kenneth Walker the third, the rookie stud, um, that, that amazing job by uh, he got in the end zone as well, but by the Seattle front office to to get him in the second round to get uh, Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, their two starting corners in this draft, and both of their starting tackles, left and right tackle, were drafted. So the best draft class. Um, so so kudos to John Schneider in that front office in the Pacific Northwest. Um, disappointed in the Giants, but they're at six and two. They're still better than we all thought they would be. So for me, the wrap up on this week is just Seattle's the real deal. I think they're going to the playoffs. John, how about you? Yeah, I think so, man. And I, and I think, again, we've been saying no matter how the season finishes out for the Giants, you've got to be happy with what you've got already. And I don't think yes. this, as as 
frustrating as it looked on the field with the, for the offense this week, um, you got to still be encouraged. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the wide receiver, uh, you know, the surprise that the Giants didn't trade for a wide receiver. Don't forget they also lost a wide receiver, Kadarius Tony. We kept saying, hey, once he gets healthy, I, secretly I think maybe he was healthy the whole time and he was just right. ready to go somewhere else. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, yeah, obviously you live and die by Saquon Barkley. So Seattle, kudos to them. They really did a good job bottling him up which when he gets loose, you know, he makes or breaks their offensive scoring. They got to keep close, tight games. And again, just kind of parroting you, Brian, Gino looks good, man. Yeah. Gino's surprisingly good. And yeah, their draft picks are hitting Seattle, not a rebuilding team like we all thought. George? Yeah, to uh, echo John's sentiment, I think with Saquon only averaging just a little bit of, above two yards a carry, it really affected Danny Dimes. Um, I think he was 17 for 31 in this game. You can't force Oof. the guy to throw. You got to have the running game because of the defense. It all makes sense for the Giants, and that's how they win ball games. I truly think that the Seahawks have probably been the best team that the entire NFC East has played outside of the division. Um, Good call. I, I, I really do. I mean, you, a lot of people argue and say the Vikings play Kirk in primetime. I'm sorry. It's easy. Yeah. That's easy money right there. Um, so, again, Seahawks look great. It's one of my favorite teams to watch, to be honest with you. I feel like I'm watching a really good college football team, not just because of the amount of effort that they put on the field. Uh, it reminds me of that. The camaraderie in that locker room is really strong, and uh, I, I just I love watching that team. But, again, uh, Danny Dimes can't be forced to throw and, and win the ball game for him. Excellent analogy um, at there at the end, George, talking about a college football team. Where did Pete Carroll come from? He was the uh, coach at USC winning national championships. Pete Carroll is almost 70 years old, but you see him running up and down that sideline, chewing mm-hmm. his gum, high-fiving his players. <laughs> he brings that college coach kind of atmosphere to the NFL, and I think these players love it. For some reason, Russell Wilson didn't. Hope he's having fun out in Denver. Uh <laughs> But let's uh, uh, let's as we always do. Um, little jump. cherry on that game. Did you guys see the freaking hilarious DK Metcalf uh, touchdown fake? No, no. On one of the swing, it was like a swing pass, and DK okay. took the corner to uh, like an out corner route that looked like it was going to be like a back shoulder fade. And like halfway through the route, he starts jogging it off, and then he looks back over his shoulder and like starts hurrying up again, like he's about to catch a ball, only oh, yeah. to clear the the next five yards for the swing pass. Or like oh, the, the, uh, wow, the reverse. It that. worked beautifully. It's hilarious. Look up the clip. It's really funny. Another college football type play in that scenario, <laughs> right? Yeah. But just like you said, just like guys having a good time out there, man. I mean, yeah. just... right. His name is escaping me right now, um, but the Seahawks offensive coordinator, his name is Shane Waldron. I'm glad I was able to find that. Mm. Um, what Look out for him, guys, in the offseason uh, to get a job as a head coach because he's doing a great job um, directing Geno okay. Smith in that, in that offense. All right, guys, it's time, as always, for the power rankings. Not going to waste much time here. I believe for the third or fourth week in a row, they're going to stay the same. Eagles a clear number one. Cowboys number two. Giants number three, and the Commanders a strong four, but they're still bringing up the rear. All right, yeah. guys, we're doing the po- podcast a little early this week because the NFC East is on Thursday night football where the Philadelphia Eagles will take on the Houston Texans. I don't think we have to really dive deep to analyze this game. The Eagles are traveling to Houston where they're 14-point road favorites, and I think Vegas is telling us all that we need to know. 
This is one of the best teams in the NFL versus one of the worst. I'm not going to get into the X's and O's. I think the Eagles beat the Texans just as bad as they beat the Steelers. I'll go Philly 31, Texans 12. How about you, George? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I don't have much on this game either. Um, obviously, on paper, it's supposed to be extremely lopsided, 14 point spread. I think Houston comes out to fight because they know it's a primetime game. They know how bad they are. This could be their entire season when you consider, you know, yeah. how, how ugly they've been playing. So I'm going to go ahead and say Eagles 31. They score at least 27 in the second quarter because that's what they do. Um, <laughs> and I will go ahead and say Houston Texans 20. They went by 11. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I think, um, man, like you said, I don't know that there will be more of a lopsided matchup this year. Uh, I looked it up before. Texans 32nd worst offense, 30th oh. uh, in points wow. allowed defensively. So nice. it's probably not going to be great. I just was kind of curious to see what the over-under was, though, for kind of score in my head, and it's surprisingly 45? low. Only 45. Oh, so wow, I, I think that that might speak to the fact that oh. both of these teams like to run the ball. Thursday night um, so, football too. Know, yeah, it's Thursday night football, so yeah. things obviously always get sloppy. And if you lean on the run game for both of these teams, you see a heavy dose of Damian Pierce, and you see a heavy dose of obviously the couple of guys, including Jalen Hurts, that Philly gets in the mix. It could be a quick short game, um, you know. But I think we all are obviously taking Philly here. So um, I'll say uh, Philly twenty-seven. Um, let's go thirteen for Houston. Okay. I, I would be surprised that anybody outside of a, a Texans homer in the entire country um, go, goes on a limb to, to say this is the upset of the week. So it's unanimous on the East Feast. We're on the tech, excuse me, the Eagles. Let's finish up our week nine preview, guys. We got the Giants and the Cowboys both on a bye week. So there's only two games this week. Um, and this will be a one o'clock game on Fox where one of the best teams in the NFC, the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins revenge game. Kirk Cousins returns to D.C. You like that? And uh, <laughs> Kirk's bringing a new weapon, boys. Uh, Detroit Lions traded T.J. Hawkinson to Minnesota. That's a huge pickup for um, the Minnesota Vikings. Now they can run yeah. two tight end sets with Irv Smith and T.J. Hawk. Obviously, you still got uh, Justin Jefferson. I think they just put Irv Smith on injured reserve. Oh, that makes sense. Thank you for correcting me. All right. Well, then, then I, I would say this game... Is not the one for TJ Hawkinson. If you have him on your fantasy team, I'd maybe wait a week or two to, for him to yeah. get acclimated to the offense. But I think um, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, KJ Osborne, and of course the combination of Dalvin Cook and uh, Alexander Madison are more than enough to get the Vikings the victory here. But I do think because it's in D.C., there's a lot of buzz around the franchise. We're going to talk about some stuff going on off the field in Washington. So maybe the fans will actually be energized. <laughs> Uh, but the, the Vikings are going to be uh, home favorites here. Well, only three and a half points. So Vegas is telling us this is going to be a close game, and I do think it's a close game. Minnesota's defense, I think, is average. They have a nice pass rush with their free agent acquisition, Zadarius Smith. So I think you guys are going to have to protect Taylor Heineke. The offensive line may struggle, but I think that the Washington Commanders find success running the football here with the combination of Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick in the short passing game. I think the defensive backs of the Minnesota Vikings can be exposed. I love Harrison Smith, their safety, but Patrick Peterson's one of their top corners, and that guy's best years are well beyond him. So I think Terry McLaurin continues to play well with Taylor Heineke under center. And uh, John or George, do you, is Jahan the Don back this week? I've, I've been yeah. missing him. 
Yeah, he should be yeah. back this week. I think he's questionable nice. right now, John. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, if he doesn't get the ball, um, maybe Curtis Samuel will get involved or, or one of the others, a Deami Brown or a Cam Sims. But I expect Washington to put up a fight this week just like they've been doing the past couple weeks. But I will take the Vikings to win this game 27-24. to 24. Skull. Oof. Yeah, that's yeah. A, this, is a, this is a tough one. Um, I think that if we do win this game, I will become – not interested, but excited uh, in this scenario, just because it, level up. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to, John, and I know to protect myself. Trust me, I know. You know, we can get pretty high pretty quick, and and where you always end up being let down. Uh, but I will say, John, the the Don Jahan is back. I'm super excited about him coming back. I think Chase Young might be coming back, not this game, but but very shortly after this game. Um, so you know that. That buildup for that happening uh, could really boost this team's confidence. I think the defense is there where they need to be. I think that the the unity of that defensive line, kind of getting the you know William Jackson the third out of there. I know I mentioned ahead in the beginning of the pod, uh, you know another bad free agency signing, but on behalf of Washington Commanders, uh, and and that team is playing well on that side of the football. I'd love to see how it happens against Kirk Cousins. I know they're hungry to get after him. I think the DBs are communicating very well now. I think that we got some young studs out there. Um, this this game's going to be interesting. I I'm actually I'm going to take the Commanders here uh, on a, on a on a late on a late drive um, from from Heineke. I'm going to go ahead and say he hits an, he hits another pylon and he's going to hit for a touchdown oh, in the last man. seconds of the game. I'm going to go ahead and say. 23 to 24. Solid. Solid, solid. Um, yeah, I mean, you were talking about William Jackson the third being traded. And um, man, I, I honestly I think for for the front office and Rivera to finally kind of just admit that they, they whiffed on that, it took them way too long, in my opinion. But the fact that they finally did it and we're seeing a good performance by the youngsters that they drafted underneath him kind of makes you scratch your head. It's like, why didn't we make this move faster? But it's also encouraging. Like you said, the defense really is playing well. I didn't mention that in the recap from last week, but that's the that's the best part is that at least the defense is kind of stepping up here. This is going to be a real test though, right? I mean, like I said, last week was not really, you know, exciting for me just because like that's what you're supposed to do. Kirk Cousins coming to town. We don't really have a ton of guys that were here when Kirk was here. So I don't know how much bad blood there is on Washington side. I'm sure Kirk, any chance that he gets to beat us, he he definitely wants to. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it could be a sneaky close game here because defensively, I think we probably match up pretty well. Um, if we can keep the run at bay and Justin Jefferson doesn't just get as long as you don't lose him in coverage and just let him go nuts. Um, I think that offensively we should have enough weapons and Heineke has a decent enough grasp of the offense that even if it comes in spurts, like it did at the end of the game last week, um, we should at least be able to score a little bit of points. So, um, if we get Jahan Dotson back, that's even bigger. I don't, uh, Logan Thomas was one that I didn't see. I think he's still questionable also, but yeah, he may be set up to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, George, you got it close, close. Uh, I think we probably still lose this game. Um, I'm going to go 24 Vikings, uh, 20 skins. Okay. We all got a close game. 
Yeah, I mean, I just and think, I, think, I just don't think the Vikings defense is good, man. Like, no, it's all. not that like, good. Like way worse than the Colts. Good. Way worse than the Colts. Yeah, the Colts, Colts have, the Colts have a good defense for sure. Um, but you know, one thing that Brian, you kind of hinted to, is that the stadium might be going crazy and it might be going crazy for reasons other than football. And I think that that could be a distraction this time around for our football team, for our football players. I think that, and George, you could attest to this, that over your entire fandom, you have to learn not just probably as players, but as a fan, you have to learn to compartmentalize football activities and organization activities because there's always something and i think that with with light of all of the recent stuff that's come out um i think it's going to be pretty loud in the stadium and that's and that's why it's so important for leadership to really step up in this game john and uh you know guys like john allen even guys like deron Payne. Um, guys that have been there, you know, Terry, I, I, even Heineke, I know he gangs the troops together pretty well. So leadership is going to be a huge, huge impact in this game. And I hope to see the best out of those boys. All right, guys, let's let's unpack all of what you were alluding to. One story, an, an, a, the third story that's come out today, I want to get out of the way real quick, that a 17-year-old suspect has been arrested and charged in the Brian Robinson case. Um, awesome. So, so yeah. Shout out to DC's finest for getting getting a suspect. Um, he, obviously, Brian Robinson was shot. He was around um, a club and a bar, just just a strip of of, of downtown Broad activity. It, yeah, and uh, and apparently it was just some kid, and it's it's too bad. Hopefully, this kid can be rehabilitated and re- learn his lesson. But I'm glad the cops got the um, accuser um, in custody. But the bigger story, the first one, Dan Snyder has hired Bank of America Securities. To help sell the Washington Commanders, I have Bank of America, and I can say I'm not a fan of the monthly maintenance <laughs> fee, so I don't really know what they're doing with that. But so, so Snyder's looking to sell the team. And then this just came out before we hopped on the podcast that feds are investigating the, command, the commander's finances, that federal prosecutors have opened up an investigation into the allegations Washington engaged in financial improperties. So I don't know, my criminal commander's fans, investigation. criminal, yes, a criminal investigation. So guys, is this just Dan trying to sell the team before the feds bust in the door? Like, help me unpack all this, fellas. I'll, I'll let you hit this, John. Yeah, so Brian, funny enough, uh, the reason that Bank of America is probably who they're going with is because <laughs> there it we've is. been sponsored by Bank of America forever. Still have the debit card <laughs> Let's all the way through the years. But no, yeah, so... Went through a million different emotions today, obviously. Um, Listening to different podcasts and reading everything that I could get my hands on in this, uh, you kind of go through the roller coaster of what all of this could mean. And to sum it up, um, I think that people went through the, oh my God, is this real phase, right? Then it turned into, well, maybe he's just trying to see what's out there for minority stake so that he can Mm -hmm. get some influx of money or capital. But then eventually I realized that that doesn't necessarily make sense because you don't shop that kind of stuff publicly. Usually minority, you you do that through backdoor investments and and different groups, right? Then you think he definitely needs money because he wants to do a new stadium. But who would want to be a minority investor in this? So even if you're putting it out publicly, you've got so many issues. This new thing that's come out late today is like the sixth or eighth 
active investigation now against this team. Wow. So it's, man, it's like one of those things where you don't want to get too excited, but this day will go down in history as one of the best days as a commander's fan, uh, as a Washington football team fan of all time for me, if this comes to fruition and I'm, and I'm really starting to lean towards letting myself get excited for this. Um, I think that the ball is finally dropped. There was, there was a thing that I saw and I actually laughed about it because I, I texted you guys about this at the Packers game at home. They put Tanya up on the billboard for a breast cancer awareness thing. She's an amazing philanthropist. I'll never want to take that away from her. Um, but they booed her. Oh my God. I think Dan revels in the hate. I think he did for years. I think he kind of secretly enjoyed the fame, even if it was negative. But I think now that Tanya has been the face, they've put in all this hall overhaul that they thought was just going to magically, you know, reunite and reinvigorate the fan base underneath them for them to then put Tanya up as the face of the organization and have her be booed actively in their home stadium. That might've been the nail in the coffin for them. Mm. And then also you've got things like this Mary Jo white report that's soon to come out. And now another federal investigation about financial improprieties. It's at some point there's too many nails in the coffin. It's like this guy can't fucking sneak out of this again. Right. And it looks like, Everything points to he's he's legitimately trying to get as much money as he can to sell the team, make a public announcement to garner a bidding war. What do you think, George? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree, John. And, you know, going back to as a kid, I mean, he's always been around, unfortunately. And, you know, it's it, it would be an absolute celebration if this were to happen for the fan base. Um, and I agree. I think Tanya and I think her impact on on Dan and what they've been through, you know, shamelessness is a skill. And Dan Snyder, that's about <laughs> the only skill he has. Uh, and it's it's honestly it puts a smile to my face that he's even going through it for how much he's made us suffer. Uh, yeah. You know, I think he's doing a lot of this out of fear. Um, I, I think that he might be, you know, all of these things have got to be built up. I, I, I get it. Like he's relying on his attorneys and I'm sure he has an entire team to handle all his issues uh, socially and, um, and legally. But eventually it's going to these questions are going to spark. He can't just hide from this anymore. You know, and and, and and I thought, you know, previously to this pod and, and from weeks prior, I'm like, this guy just has too much pride to where he will never sell this team. There's just no way he can't just be a normal, sad, rich white guy. He's got to have this freaking football team. Um, but I think you're right, John. I think this is this is on the express lane now. And I, and I, and I hope that's the truth. I hope we meet the destination and brother, I hope we have a beer after it happens, dude, because it is going to be one of the best days of my fandom for the Washington Redskins and now the Washington Commanders. Well, I certainly certainly wish planning a parade. No, (laughs) dude, can we go? I swear to God, I think a parade will happen if he announces the sale of the team. (laughs) Two two years ago, I saw an old tweet pop up from JP Finley and the and the B Mitch show today that someone retweeted. Two is either two or two years or a year ago. uh, They put up a poll and asked four options, 
And one of the options was win two Super Bowls. And one of the options was get a new owner. New owner was. And, <laughs> and then I saw shot, people. Probably. By, yeah, by like 15, 20 percent of the vote. <laughs> and people. And it's funny because people argued in the comments like, what makes you think we would ever be able to win two Super Bowls under Dan? Like, this is yeah. 20 years yeah. of a, just a giant quagmire. And it's like. You, you, there's a part of me that doesn't want to be vindictive and be awful to people because they're people, yeah, right? Don't agree. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you said, man, it's there, there's a bit of me that lavishes in the fact that he hopefully has to publicly squirm and publicly bow out, especially after he loves to make these, have his teams make these massive statements. We will never change the team. Put that in caps, right? Yeah. And then two years later, fucking change the team. Does man. it? Yeah. Uh, despite what ursay says we figured he would say something like that we we don't agree with it and you know we will never sell the team two weeks later uh hey who's the highest bidder basically i gosh i really hope this comes to fruition man and i don't and i honestly like i've thought about it a lot today i don't think that this you know this doesn't immediately solve all of our problems right you have to hope that you get an ownership group at that point in time that then puts football people in power and then we're probably looking at you know two or three years before we're up and running again possibly i mean i don't know we have a pretty good roster but you never know what a new gm and a new ownership group and you never know what they're going to want to do with a roster like that so kind of getting ahead of myself but it would be so (laughs) freaking amazing freaking amazing no, and uh, you know, I'll let you talk, B. But no, I, I I agree with you, John, and I and I think that's a really good point that you mentioned, Tanya, um, because I think she might be the motivating factor here. I think they have private conversations on a day to day basis that probably frustrate Dan a little bit, and it's kind of hearing you know tired of hearing about it. Like we, you know, we have our significant others, and we know how these things can go, and um, I'm, I'm sure she's in her his ear and. Uh, I'm just again, I'm excited as a as a fan. And I think this team's in good hands. I think that, you know, since the name change, I think it would be actually a pretty cool spark to bring back maybe some of the old fan base that didn't really dig that. Absolutely. Uh, to get to get rid of Dan and just be like, all right, Dan's gone. New name. Let's just let's go. Let's let's bring it, you know, let's bring back the fan base. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to our roots and 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 really just move forward. Um, after this horrible, horrible tenure of uh, previous ownership. Well, thank you guys both for your insights on that. I was I was very curious to to kind of pick the brains of you know the 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 heartbeat of the Washington Commanders, and uh, I'm not surprised. And and I'm rooting for both of you and the entire um, Redskins Nation um, that, that dates back to when you guys were winning Super Bowls in the '90s. That uh, that that ownership change happens, and the momentum and uh, and that franchise shifts up to. To bring it to my world as a Cowboys fan, although we've been dysfunctional for the past 20 years as well, it is not the same culture. When Jerry Jones walks into a room, it sounds like Elvis in the 1960s. We, like, the Cowboys Nation loves Jerry Jones despite all of his flaws. So, so yeah, it's it's, it's a totally different, uh, totally, yeah, totally different way of You guys of win. Life. I mean, they say winning solves everything. And at some point, Jerry, I don't know if Jerry was a Cowboys fan before he, he owned the team. Jerry's about winning. Dan's yeah. about being a fan. It's a fantasy football team for him. Mm, correct. And it's just, yeah, you're right. The cultures are definitely different. Yeah, no, right, I mean, I mean, Dan just 
it reminds me of that like shift manager at a restaurant that will just, you know, add side work <laughs> to somebody he doesn't like and and just like, like petty, it, just, just dumb petty, stuff. dude. Just just go. So just leave. B- before we let this go and wrap up, George, you kind of alluded to something and I wanted to ask all you guys what you thought about this. But so what w- what do you think the move is then? So say best case scenario, team gets sold end of the season. Because one other thing is, uh, that I have read is that uh, the NFL likely won't even let this kind of come to a vote unless something major happens until the end of the season, right? They don't want to okay. disrupt the season from a, you know, again, this is the biggest drama. This is the biggest TV show that there is. So say it happens at the end of the season, new ownership group comes in. George, you're saying from what it sounded like you want all new rebranding again. No, no, no. I don't think I you want it to say commanders. I or want you to want say it? commanders. I do. I, I, I don't know. That's I a good question, you, though. That's a good them, question, though. You call them commandos for most of the season. So I was like, <laughs> George is not, He's not on board. This, so. He's not on board. No, I, I think that would be confusing at this point. Um, I think that, would, that I don't know. What are your thoughts? That's interesting, though. That is interesting. Yeah. I honestly, I think that I would absolutely be down for another rebrand. Yeah. I think mm. that this was one, because if you think about it, this is one of the final pieces that really has excited this fan base into this back into the sell the team narrative. The cha- So I'm hoping because attendance has been incredibly low so that the, that the mere thought that Dan might be able to finally, that we might finally have him sell the team. I hope that fans pack the stadium. I hope that everybody goes out and buys tickets, pack the stadium, and sell the team chance should be so audible that we should be like the 12th man in Seattle. I yes. love it. I, love I would it. absolutely love that. You, got me, you just to, gave me goosebumps, dude. That, yeah, but, that would be amazing. Please, please, yeah, please. Yeah, just yeah. let him know that we are absolutely behind this. If that's what, if this is where you're going, Dan, see ya. I mean, but you've seen the comments, that, John. You've seen the comments on oh, every yeah. social media post existing and watched it. I don't care if it's a picture of Heineke, DeBron Payne, John Allen. Sell the team. Sell the team. Sell the team. Sell the team. But so, so if you go back to the branding piece of it, though, I think that people – it puts such a bad taste in people's mouth. Not only that he changed the team name. I was always kind of torn, but eventually I came around to change the team name. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Let's yeah. just really – and then they were like – did the whole wonky Washington football team for a little while because we're going to think about it. Then you didn't think about it. It seemed like you just did whatever you wanted to do. It's all a mess. Wash all of that. I want to forget about the Dan Snyder era in its entirety. And I don't want him. And I said this from the beginning when he was rebranding, I was like, if he ends up selling the team soon after I'm going to hate that he was the one who got to rebrand. And I think that honestly, the uniforms look all right, but outside of that, they did a bad, they did a poor job with this. <laughs> like they really did. So I hope that somebody comes in and says, we're going to put our own stamp on this. We're going to correct the ship. We're going to start fresh and, and go from there. And I kind of hope that, yeah, it involves a rebrand, honestly. John, do you have point, a prospect? Do you have a prospect? I don't know. I think Bezos obviously is always the guy Bezos, that they always yeah. talk yeah, about, but yeah. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't have, I don't a list of billionaires in my maybe mind maybe a group that i could maybe a group you know <laughs> yeah. how, about the, how about the manning family their football yeah, I royalty think, i i think though i think it would make a lot of sense i don't know if this happens or not but i think george your idea about a group makes a lot of sense being that it's dc uh you start getting into some weird waters there though and then like okay so who's making real decisions right yeah um but i think that it would be very interesting to get a minority owner 
um, involved because there's minority, not shareholder, but minority, like as in a, a black owner of the team. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense for Washington, especially that um, area, in, especially in that area. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've, you we've know, had guys so like many, Kevin Durant, guys like Wale, yeah. guys like those guys that are, Ooh, we have a history. We have the first black quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. We have some not Williams, so great yeah. stuff yeah. from our very first ownership group, but I think that we have as a, as an organization tried to be progressive. Um, although Dan does not, Dan is very good yeah. at skirting Rooney rule stuff. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's a whole nother topic. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that would be really cool. Agreed. Well, time time Agreed. will tell, but there's a lot of big changes are coming in Washington, and I think um, it will certainly, as you guys would agree, be a change for the best. Uh, let's finish up today, guys. Uh, we don't have Luds with us, unfortunately. His daughter is sick, so we wish uh, little Harper all the best of health. And of course, Jay Luds is the father of the year, so you know he's on <laughs> daddy duty. He'll be back next week, but he did send us in a voice memo. Jay Luds, send us home. Week nine, NFC East feast. Coming to you with my picks. Um, I don't know what kind of order you guys are uh, going in tonight, but um, I'm going to start with the Philly game. Um, Philly minus 14 on the road. Um, I think they smoke Houston. Um, I think they stay undefeated. Um, I got that game 28 to 10. I just don't see the Eagles... um, you know, slowing down and Houston is one in five. So I think uh, they're going to come in and beat the brakes off uh, Houston Texans. Next game, uh, we got uh, Kirk Cousins heading back to Washington. Um, you know, the commanders on a hot streak right now. They've been playing pretty well with Heineke in there. But um, I think Kirk Cousins coming back to uh, Washington, I think um, he's going to light him up. Um, I got Minnesota minus three and a half that game. Uh, final score, uh, 24-17. And then my two upsets of the week, uh, these are a couple games I was looking at that I like. Um, I like the Saints plus two and a half over Baltimore Monday night. Uh, it's going to be a stunner. And um, I like the Titans plus 12 and a half um, against Kansas City. I mean, that's a big number. I think Titans have been playing a lot better. They've been running the ball well with Derrick Henry and uh, – I'm not going to, you know, I'm not picking them to win the game, but I do like that 12 and a half number. So uh, anyways, guys, I hope you have a good show. Appreciate it. And uh, talk to you guys next week. We love you. We miss you, buddy. Jay Ludge with that upset parlay. He's going for the primetime game. Sunday night yeah. football. He's got the he's got the Titans plus points. Monday night football. He's got the Saints plus points. Those are aggressive picks. Aggressive. And swallowing in the East. Swallowing all 14 of them for Thursday in Philly. And swallowing the three and a half and going with the Purple People Eaters. For good measure, Jay Ludge record, guys. 12 and 15. So he's a he's an undefeated week away here from, from reaching 500. So our boy is still fighting. And we appreciate his contributions as always. Look forward to having him back in studio next week. Well, guys, thank you for um for the insights on, on your opinions of the future of the Washington franchise. And thank you for, uh, as always, help, helping me break down this best division in football. I have a lot of fun doing it, and I appreciate all of you guys listening. We love you here at the NFC East. Peace. Peace.